I mean, our family of origin, they are who they are. I mean, we're stuck, we're kind of stuck with them. And I don't want to yeah. say it like that because my family may hear that. Well, I think it's sometimes you feel like your family's, at least my, and my, like my family wasn't like on my side sometimes. My friends are the people that are on my side. Like they're not against me. They've got your back. I got your back. Yeah. yeah. And that encourage you, don't like rip you down. Welcome to Confessions of a Financial Advisor, the antidote to conventional financial wisdom. My name is Al, and I've been a financial advisor for over 20 years. This podcast will explore the emotional and psychological factors that affect our behaviors. All of the other financial podcasts out there will talk about the numbers and the math. We will confront the stories that we all fuse with that ultimately set the course for our lives. I am not looking for new clients and have no intention on running for any kind of office. I'm going to tell you like it is and call out all the commonplace BS. Now, let's get into confessions of a financial advisor. Number 34. Okay. Friends and family of origin. We use that term a lot in this podcast, family of origin. Mm-hmm. Actually, it's, I've heard it more ever since we started using it. That's the whole word to interact with. Yes. We talked about the RAS. Yeah, it's a common term in the psych world. So, family of origin is just the family you're born into. Yeah. And we don't get to choose. And you and I have been talking about that. Some of us look around sometimes like, was I adopted? And you ever think of how random it is to? I was a white male born in mm-hmm. New York. I could have been a Muslim. I could have been mm-hmm. born in Iraq. I couldn't have mm-hmm. been born in a war zone in a crack neighborhood. There's so many. You said you kind of hit the privilege jackpot. I like, totally. Honestly. I, 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 exactly. I hit snake Not eyes. Not to be rude, but yeah, it's, I mean, you kind of did. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and you're like come in a close second, right? I mean, I'm a close second <laughs> aside from being a woman. Yeah, that's the only right. one. That... Yeah, I mean, I couldn't be any more privileged. If you tried. Or I shouldn't even say privileged. I I was born with the most opportunity, definitely. Opportunity, yeah. There's plenty of people in my position that just squander their opportunity too. So it's not like... And that's a choice. That is a choice. Your family of origin is family you don't get to choose. That's family you're born into. And it is what it is. You can't change it. They are who they are. Your parents are whatever, have many siblings. If you have any siblings, they are who they are. Yeah. Forever, for life. You you're born where you're born. You're born to who you were born to. You can't get to. rid of them. Like, they keep coming around. Yeah. <laughs> you try. Yeah, it's like herpes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the first question I wrote on this post was Is this really my family? Yeah. Is it, could this possibly be true that? This is my family because it makes no sense. Mm-hmm. Like, is God laughing upstairs? I'm not even religious. I'm He's saying- <laughs> so many different people and personalities together, and yeah. they're like, "Hey, I'll get along." It's like, like, <laughs> <laughs> like, let's see if this works. <laughs> Some cruel experiment. <laughs> so, my family of origin consists of my dad, who was born in Sicily, mm-hmm. moved here when he was 13. Mm-hmm. leaning definitely towards the chauvinist side of things where very kind of barefoot and pregnant and that's the way a woman should be. And Wow. Uh, yeah. 
that was kind of it. And like his job, his sole job in the world was to work. To be the provider. Yeah. And then when he came home, the wife was supposed to serve him. Fuck that shit. And that was it. (laughs) I know. I'm telling you this. Like you're going to... Yeah. You know you're riling me up right now. Like... I love it. I love it. I got to get you worked up. Yeah. <laughs> and then my mom was, which, which is, this is a strange thing. My mom was very independent, born in Manhattan, mm-hmm. Italian origin, but not like from Italy. Like her grandparents were from Italy. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't think somebody as strong as her and as independent as her would go with a guy like my dad. Mm. It just happens, you know? You tolerate that. And they... Never got divorced, mm-hmm. stayed married until the day my dad died. So whatever that was, 40-something years, more than that, probably almost, almost 50 years. Wow. So it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Wow. They chose each other. She chose an immigrant. Right. And her siblings never really liked my dad. Yeah. They just thought he was like a simpleton kind of... They, they had more of an uppity mentality of we're from Manhattan. We're upper class. We're educated. Yeah. Right. You're this like worker class kind we're of... part of the elite. Yeah, yeah. You're like a proletariat. Yeah. I'm like, is this really my family? So they have two... And then your two sisters. Two older sisters. so different from you. But you describe them to me and I'm just like... Well, yeah, so... I'm glad I don't know them. Well, I have one that's nine years older and one that's seven years older. And my sister's... I love her. She went through a nervous breakdown Mm -hmm. right after she got divorced. I think it was just something triggered, Mm -hmm. something that was in her, like a schizophrenia kind of trigger. Yeah. And she just never came back. So she's basically in a group home now and she's doing good. I saw her from my mom's funeral and I talked to her. So she... Mm -hmm. I think you were thinking about my other sister... (laughs) There was, a, there was another the one, other too. One. <laughs> As you said, things change over time. So my yeah. other sister, same sort of deal. She was like considered more the black sheep of the family. Left mm-hmm. the house at 17. Drugs, this, that, the other thing. And just it just kind of went down that path. That and that's path. where her life turned into. And she was the smartest out of all of us. Mm-hmm. She was like very intelligent. Mm-hmm. But for whatever reason, she made certain choices, went down that path... Mm-hmm. And I've been in and out of decent relationships with her over the years. And it culminated again. It was a whole thing about my mom and yeah. it didn't work out. So I haven't talked to that sister in probably four or five years, four years. Mm-hmm. But again, it's like, I didn't choose this. Like, I just, you know, I'm trying to navigate myself. Like, all uh, these random people thrown together. Like, here, y'all figure it out. Get along. It's like, whoa, hold on a second. So, Actually, both of my brothers-in-law definitely introverts. They showed up and arrived in my family. And I'm just like, oh my God, really? I'm like, look at how loud these people are. Are you watching this? And they're like, yeah, no, we see. Like, how you been dealing with this? And one of them is probably even more introverted than I. And I'm a pretty strong introvert. But one is actually, he's like, yeah, I'm good with no people. But they showed up and actually my brother identifies as an introvert. Like I was visiting and we were all at our parents' house and he looks at me and he goes, you want me to go to the store? I'll go get you one. You want me to go to the store? Like anything to get out of this chaotic mess. Is that, oh, he was looking (laughs) for ways to get out. He's like, I'll go buy you wine. I'm like, okay, red. They're just so damn loud. And it's mainly my mother and my sisters. And they're just a lot. That's the way they talk. Loud. Loud. It's just how they are. Like my mother's never met a stranger. She will meet people and talk to people. And I'm just like, what are you doing talking to strangers? Yeah. 
shocking that I am now adopted. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it rubbed off later in life, right? Yeah. And that's why I'm so exhausted when I get home. Yes. But do you remember, like, so you remember specific instances like being home when you were a kid, like during holidays? Like, we used to have like big holiday parties. Thanksgiving was a big one. Thanksgiving, Christmas Eve. My mom would cook for like two days. We'd have 20 people in my house and we'd somehow scramble every. Well, no, there was a kid's table, like in the kitchen, and then there was the dining room table with the adults. And the adults, all Mm. of them chain smoked. Mm. And a lot of them smoked while they were freaking eating. Oh, it was God, gr- that's dis- gross. It was that's disgusting. Dis- I'm sorry, that's disgusting. But that's- uh, oh, it was completely disgusting. And the kids were just, well, this is, uh, they didn't open windows. Oh. Like, if it wasn't the summer, they didn't open windows. I swear to God, it was just a cloud of smoke in the house. There was constant coffee on drip. Like, yeah. there was always a pot of coffee made. So people were drinking coffee. Nobody in my family really drank a lot of alcohol. No, my dad is the biggest coffee drinker ever. Like, he'll get up in like the middle of the night and make like half a pot of coffee and then shut it (laughs) up. Yeah. Because that's confusing to me when I get up at like a normal hour and I'm like, why is there like half a pot? Uh huh. Drug of choice was coffee and cigarettes. Coffee. Yeah, they didn't. I mean, they had a little bit of wine on the table, but nobody really drank much. They weren't drinkers. No, it wasn't a big, no, it wasn't a big drinking culture but yeah coffee was a big thing so when it comes to we've talked about we're calling it friends mm-hmm. so friends are what i call chosen family that are the people that i have chosen to allow very very close to me they get levels of access to me that even some of my family of origin doesn't get they're the people that I turn to, like, and I was told you mm-hmm. when I was crying in the kitchen <laughs> after I picked myself up. Yeah. The people that I turn to when I'm having an emotional meltdown are not my family of origin. They're what I would consider my chosen family, or you would call them friends. And they're people that the bond is just different. Yeah. Because it's a choice. And I think that's the distinction. Like, you don't get to choose your family of origin. You're born into whatever family you're born into. Mm. Your parents and your siblings are who they are for your entire yeah. life. Good, bad, or indifferent, that. right? Yeah. Good, bad, or ugly. <laughs> the good, the bad. <laughs> <laughs> but friends are the ones that we get to decide. And we've talked about how that can change and shift over time. And how friends come and go. And not all of them last forever. And some of them yeah. show up and they serve their purpose, whatever mm-hmm. that looks like. And they don't last forever. And and that's been hard for me to kind of grapple with, especially over the past year, because there were some people that I was very, very close with. And they chose to distance themselves from me when the whole traumatic experience happened. And that was their choice. And I couldn't have made that choice for them. Mm-hmm. But then it was my decision to go, okay, I see what you're doing and we're done. Yeah. Like, okay, I wish you well. Move on with your own life's journey. Mm-hmm. Did you have a similar experience when you got divorced? Not as much when I got divorced because he and I really, we didn't run the same circles. And... So the only quote unquote friends, and they weren't even friends. They were just ex-neighbors of mine. But that's where he went to when he moved out. 
he moved across the street. Okay. So yeah, that wasn't, and yeah. stayed with them until they got an apartment and they totally took his side and just were ice cold to me. And I'm like, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I had held my network of connections and friends so separate from my ex-husband because I didn't want him contaminating them. The connections that I had been building were so meaningful and so fulfilling. Mm. I stopped inviting him to events. There was an event two months before separation. And at first I had invited him because I felt obligated to. I was like, well, I'm yeah, what are you, you, you going to do? Right. invite you as my guest. And then I told him not to come. You don't need that shit. Yeah. Because I didn't want him contaminating. I'm like, I have a role here. I have obligations. I don't want you here. Yeah. And I'm sure he took offense to it, but... (laughs) When I think of friends, like you were saying, we choose them. But I think we're also looking for people that give us a certain feeling and a certain comfortability. And Mm -hmm. so I always think of someone that contributes to me feeling good about myself. You know what I mean? Where you feel like they're out for your best interest. Like when you're in interactions with them Mm -hmm. and you open up to them, Mm -hmm. you're in a safe place. It's a safe space. Not being judged. You're not like... That's the shit that... As soon as you get into those... Well, and you and I have both recently lost friends. Yes. And that's kind of what kickstarted and prompted this, the idea for this whole post. Is, I know, because you and I, I guess we're just shadowing each other in you know, life experiences. Yeah. What's I hope I don't next? have a traumatic event happening. <laughs> oh. That's the only thing I haven't shadowed with you. Yeah, geez. But yeah, but you had a friend pass away like a month yeah. ago, two months ago. Mine two was last ago. week yeah. or like a week and a half ago. Yeah, and it's just jarring. It's a jarring event. And it, but it is. My friend who passed away, I washed blood out of my hair in her guest bathroom shower yeah. the day after trauma happened. I slept on her couch for two nights because they wouldn't, they're like, you can't go home. They're like, no, you can't be by yourself. This is after the hospital? The friend who passed away is the friend that I called from the ambulance. Yeah. Or the paramedic called her. Um, wow. Yeah. She's the one that showed up at the ER. Emotions fucking are hard. It sucks. Yeah. And we were very, very close for a very long time. Yeah. And so I ran into a mutual friend not long ago. And I was explaining to her because she asked me, she's like, how are you doing with the whole situation? And I said, well, intellectually, I understand that I'll never see her again. But like physically and viscerally, it hasn't sunk in yet because it's such a weird fucking time like they did an online memorial which was so fucking weird and i'm sobbing throughout the whole thing and i'm like we can't even meet like we can't even meet to memorialize and grieve our friend it's just so surreal yeah but she's one of the first well she's probably the first Mm -hmm. like what i would call a contemporary who's passed away sometimes you don't realize like what an effect's I mean, maybe in her mind, she was just doing what... She was being who she was. She wasn't trying to do anything. No. Exactly. So a friend of mine reached out to me. This isn't the friend that passed away, but another friend told me recently. Mm -hmm. I've been friends with him about 17 years. And he told me, you really helped me out back in the day. I'm like, what do you mean? Hmm. He said, well, I was going through a really tough time. And I was like paying child support to a child that was living up in Ohio. And I had no money. I was really down and out. I really had like no money to eat. Mm. And you would invite me over and Mm -hmm. you would feed me. I'm like, really? I remember inviting you over and just being Italian, I just always offer food. Right. It's it's not like I was like, let me feed my friend who's starving. Right. I was just 
So it, it just hit me where I was like, wow, I didn't know I did that. Both of those stories speak to it. You don't realize the impact that yeah. you're potentially having on someone else. But no clue. You have no idea what it means to them. And that guy's but, been my like diehard loyal friend ever since. It just... Mm-hmm. And again, I didn't know I was doing it. Like it just happened. I was just at a time and place in my life that it matched up with him. And yeah, we got together and it meant a lot to him. And yeah. now it means a lot to me having him as a friend. So it's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And it speaks to the level of the strength, the bonds that we can forge with people mm-hmm. that we choose to. I mean, our family of origin, they are who they are. I mean, we're stuck. We're kind of stuck with them. And I don't want to yeah. say it like that because... My family may hear this, Well, I think it's sometimes you feel like your family's, at least my and my, like my family wasn't like on my side sometimes. My friends are the people that are on my side. Like they're not against me. They've got your back. I got your back. Yeah. yeah. And that encourage you, don't like rip you down. Yeah. Which, you know, at least in my family, my dad was the person, at least when I was a kid, younger. No, it didn't have, we had a... Your dad was a character. We had a better relationship later in life, but <laughs> yeah, as a small kid, he was just kind of ripped you down, yeah. you know, just, or just shitty. Yeah. But my mom was always somebody that was like more of the, she wasn't really a caretaker. She was more... <laughs> more nurturing. A little bit more nurturing, more understanding and more compassionate. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't have chose my dad. But then I, I think back, no. I heard this from someone where they're like, if you're going to put someone down, like your dad or whatever, mm-hmm. then you better freaking thank him for all the shit that he taught you not to do as well. True. Because you can't just go one way on this. You can go one way where right. like he did this, this, and this, and that's the way I am. And he contributed to all the bad things in my life. No, nope, that's really not accurate. And that's playing the victim role too. It is. And falling into that trap. Right. It's easy to fall into. And that's just the storyline always running. So now you're 45 years old. You're still talking about stories of when you're 12 years old and your dad came down on you. I'm like, all right, I've done that for a long time. I got it. Now I'm starting to realize he showed me what not to do. That's a fucking important lesson. It was an important lesson to know how to treat people. And it's a very subtle shift in perspective from looking at the problem to the opportunity. Yes. Where's the opportunity? Yeah. Where is the opportunity in 2020? I mean, where's the opportunity in in anything? Like you said, like a trauma, like panic attacks. Like I used to think panic attacks were like the worst curse that anybody could ever have. And then I started to flip that. And I was like, wait a second. You have this. You feel like you're going to die a lot of the time. (laughs) Like just that sensation of feeling like you're falling off the back of your chair, that you're on a roller coaster that you're not on. Now you know what that feels like. And now you can relate to other people that have gone through that. It almost makes you stronger in some sense because you feel like I've already been through this a thousand times. Like I've been on this adrenaline roller coaster a thousand times without wanting it. More compassionate. Now, yeah, it totally makes you more compassionate because now you look at other people. Mm-hmm. People are dealing with shit you have no idea. You have no idea what they're dealing with. You have no idea... Like everybody's got a problem bigger than you could ever imagine, you know, that they're dealing with in their life. And they've navigated things that you couldn't imagine navigating. Yeah. And like I've told you, people just tell me shit. (laughs) I can't tell you how many people's stories I hold. (laughs) I'm going to keep this cryptic, but I know people's stories and everyone's got trauma. And I actually had someone say to me once, 
they told me, and this was vulnerable for them to admit this, but they told me and they said, I saw you walk in and I thought, oh, privileged, rich, white lady. Privileged, rich, white lady. They saw you walk in. They said that about you. Okay. And within minutes, we're having a very deep conversation about some of their childhood trauma. And I'm just like, whoa, I wasn't, I was like, I just came to get this signed. Yeah. But it was that initial judgment. We judge each other and you don't ever stop to really consider what's behind the scenes. And so initially, post-trauma, my face was, I didn't want to go to the store. Like I asked friends to bring me stuff to my house because I was like, let me not enter the public with this. Because my face was... You don't want to have to explain or see somebody you know. or yeah, beaten up and it it was gruesome. Yeah. But then I got to a point not long after that where, like, to look at me, you would never guess. Yeah. And people just don't think. Yeah. So that's one of the benefits of me having navigated that personal experience of my own is it has definitely increased my capacity to be compassionate for people. Like, you just don't know what people are going through. Like, to look at someone... You just can't guess what they have going on. Yeah. The, everyone's got a story. Kind of like looping that back to the whole family of origin and friends. Like, I always feel like I'm more compassionate with my friends than I am with my family. Yeah. Definitely more harsh with my family. Your family presses your buttons better. Like, get the fuck off my back. <laughs> yeah. Because your family presses those buttons and they know totally you're stuck with them. Like, I'm, we're your family. You're not going anywhere. Like, yeah. we know where you live. Yeah. Right. My parents actually asked me recently. So, I'm one of four siblings and all four of us live in different parts of the country. And so, my parents are very like it's all gotta be fair so they would rotate their visits like between us kids and they asked me i don't know six months ago Mm -hmm. they look at me and they go so do you want us to plan a visit to charlotte and i'm like no sincerely no i'll come to you yeah and they were like seriously i'm like there's no reason for you to come here i don't have kids you don't like charlotte you don't like being here. So right. you don't need to come. I'll just fly to you for three days. <laughs> max. <laughs> for three days. Exactly. Three days max. My parents knew that well enough that they wanted their own space. My parents are always the people that never wanted to intrude. Uh, when my daughter was born, they bought a place 20 minutes from where I live. Mm-hmm. And they had that until my dad died, basically. Mm-hmm. And the weird thing is, is they weren't even in like really good health. And they would fucking make that drive from freaking West Palm Beach, Florida to freaking Fort Mill, stay there for a few months. Fort Mill's a good location. Very good. Yeah. Very good. Cool place. Yeah. That's far enough because I know where you live. Right. 20 minutes. Right. Yeah. I'm like, Fort Mill's far enough away. We'd have to make a plan to get together. (laughs) You can't do a drive-by. There weren't (laughs) drop-ins. No drive-bys. My parents were cool like that. And the thing is, they weren't in good enough health to actually watch... Our daughter, because mm-hmm. they we just didn't they didn't feel comfortable, we didn't feel comfortable doing it. Yeah. So it wasn't like we had like a living babysitter. It was just cool to go there. Yeah. And I was really impressed with them that wow, my parents bought a place 20 minutes from me so they could be near me and my, you know, and their granddaughter. That just said a lot about them. And my dad would always come too. So like yeah. things turned around as I became an adult with my dad. Our relationship changed. Hey, he chilled the fuck out. He chilled the fuck. He, he totally did. <laughs> Age will do that. Like I think post sixty, 
My dad was like tired too. Tired and like just just no more. He's just out of the whole loop of raising children and working. Right. Like his whole life was just a grind. And then bam, he's in retirement in Florida. Yeah. Like to him, it was he he was in paradise. Yeah. It's warm weather. Every day he gets to just read the newspaper and hang out with his friends and play cards and they take cruises. They just did whatever the hell they wanted to do. Chill the fuck out. Chill the fuck out. Yeah. So I've talked to so many different Vietnam veterans. Yeah. So many. Yeah. Like people, like, again, people just tell me their stories. But, like, you reach a level of you're so traumatized with trauma PTSD. Damn, there's a whole generation of people who are traumatized yeah. by that war. But you get to a certain point where yeah. you just relax. I've been through the worst. I can and relax now. Yeah. Yes. I've come through the fire and yeah, yeah, not worth it anymore. Yeah. One of the other things that we talked about was previous friends circling back around because you and I both experienced that. Literally within the last few days. It was... Mine was within the last month. Yeah. I mean, basically, I just lost touch with a couple of friends that we haven't been in touch in about six years. And I had an idea of the reason why. Which we won't get into. Which we don't even need to get into. But that one of these guys reached out to me just by text the other day. Last week. But the mm-hmm. weird part about it was he reached out in a way that was just... And it threw me off. I was like, what the hell? Like he was talking about checking on a rental property that I had, but that I'd sold yeah. off many years ago. It's just a strange thing. And I really kind of feel... I don't want to engage. Just like you were saying. Because it didn't feel... Genuine. Authentic. Mm-hmm. Genuine. And so do I want to go back? Do I want to revisit that? Why? I don't yeah. see... It doesn't serve any purpose. I don't either. I don't. I really don't. I mean, if that's what's potentially going to happen in the future, then... You've done it to me once. You'll do it to me. What is the saying? Once a cheater, always a cheater. <laughs> saying, fool me once, shame on you. Oh, my God. Twice, shame on me. Like, <laughs> it's, not the, it's not the way George W. Bush said it. <laughs> he said it a lot funnier than that. Do you remember that? I do not. He said, fool me once, shame on you. If you fool me, you can't fool me again. Like he basically lost train of thought and didn't, couldn't even do the joke and it's on live TV. It's hilarious. And I probably just butchered it, but it was funny. (laughs) George W. Bush, fool me once. Yeah. Look it up, guys. Yeah. It's on there. It's on YouTube somewhere. So you had the, you had the same thing happen. You had somebody who kind of like loop back around after many years. I did. Yeah, you didn't even engage. I just ignored it, which was a choice. The way that they had reached out to me, I was easily able to ignore it. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's part of getting older, too. Well, you're 41. Supposedly. Yeah, that's what the At some point, you're kind of like, I have to make... Ch- <laughs> nah, right? Not in your hearts. You start to realize, I have limited time for the people I want mm-hmm. to be around. And I can't mm-hmm. be around 50 different people. Like mm-hmm. I got to choose. Mm-hmm. So you start doing that. Like you start being selective about you get more discern- So I call it discerning. Yeah. It's a weeding out process. I actually wrote about this. All right. But I talk about your community and people around you are like a garden. Mm. And sometimes plants that seem to be flowers turn out to be weeds. Yes. And they need to be removed. And it's up to you. Yeah. You're the gardener of your life community. 
And I will tell you, it pays to play nice in the sandbox. Yeah. It's not about adding more necessarily. I like this, what you're talking about, about the weeds thing, because like you said, it's not about adding more seeds sometimes. Power of deleting. It's about removing the weeds. Clearing space. But that goes the same for... Clearing cyber Mental clutter. processes. Like basically a lot of times things that you want to fix in your life yeah. aren't about adding better habits. They're removing bad ones. It's about remove. Sometimes it's about yeah, extracting the thorn. That's freaking. Isn't that weird? So like sometimes when you remove things, that solves the problem that you thought you had it. You thought you needed to add, whether it be friends, but this is the weird thing when it comes to family of origin. You can't. It's hard to remove them, and this is what's happened with me at forty-seven. Now my dad's passed away. My mom's passed away. There's nobody else now telling me that. You have to keep in touch with your uncle. You have to keep in touch with the sisters. You have to keep it like she was the one that kept everything together. And now I feel like I have the permission to be like, fuck you. If you're going to treat me like shit, then get the fuck out. Like I'm not dealing with your shit just because your family. Yeah, this blood is thicker than water thing drives me bonkers. I'm going to judge you by your character, how you treat me. And I hope you judge me the same way. And if you're going to treat me like shit, then I couldn't care less if we're blood. I'm not going to, I'm not, it doesn't, that doesn't work for me. It's not this blood thing. So it really bothers me, the whole family of origin thing where... The expectations. Yeah. Well, I think as you get older, you start to realize I'm not putting up with your bullshit just because you're family. I'm not. I'm not ongoing. I mean, I'm not saying I'm not going to give you some leeway. I do that with friends too. But at some point, when they're sucking freaking energy from you and they're just a total energy suck, like you got to cut them off. I had a friend call it bioenergetic vampires. <laughs> I like the vampire. Yeah, oh, that's, I like that You're imagery. Draining that's, the life out of me. It is. And there's such a guilt, at least in my family, there's a lot of guilt around that. Like, or is that coming from the Catholicism? Holy cow. <laughs> Again, it, it was like that kind of blood is thicker than water. Blood is thicker than water. They just pump that into your head that mm -hmm. you never leave family. You never leave family. I'm like, no, uh-uh. That's no, because that gives everybody a get out of jail free card to act like an asshole. So yeah. anyway, so at 47, I feel like the couple of thorns in my family I've removed. Well, I don't keep up with a lot of my family. Yeah. I'll eventually hear it through the grapevine. What's going on? Through That's a life. game changer, right? It's hard to talk about deleting shit. Soul liberating. I was like, wow. It's a cyber clutter thing that we've talked about. But we're definitely going to do part two. Part two okay. of friends okay. and family of origin. Because I mean, it's too big of a topic to do in 30 to 45 minutes. We might even do a part three. I know. Well, you and I just like, we're bad because we just keep talking. Well, there's so much to talk about. I mean, when it comes to family, oh my God, I haven't even touched the surface. I know. Let's get into it. Let's yeah. Get deeper. Like, <laughs> Again, all those underlying feelings of like how you have to be with your family. Or like, I hate when people say, oh, so-and-so, he's a great guy. He's a family man. What does that mean? Can you hear me? What is it? <laughs> I've had like friends that say that. Oh, yeah, good guy. Family man. So what? So if you're not a family man, what? You're a bad person? I don't understand. It's like, what's... What, what if you don't have a family? What if you don't have a what family? What if you're happy being single? Or what if you just don't like your family? I make you a bad person? Oh, Anyway, I don't so know. you want to do part two I mean, next week? <laughs> All right, we'll get... Um, to uncover. I do want to do part two next week because I feel like we got a lot more to talk about. Come along for the ride, listeners. Yes. Yeah. Like... So please follow us. <laughs> <laughs>
We all have a family of our own. You all relate out there. We all have the same issues. There's different stories of the same issues. So yeah, follow us at faconfessions.com. Subscribe and whatever. Just write up a review if you'd like. Give us some comments. I've had a lot of friends and, and some family giving us ideas for new podcasts. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. So I'm not promising anything, but we have enough of our own ideas. You lead, I'll follow. All right. Tell me where we're going. <laughs> okay, you got it. <laughs> so next week, no, yeah, so we'll do just episode two, Family of Origin and Friends. Okay. All right. Well, thanks, Diane. We'll see you next week. Thanks, Al. See you next week.